Today, I have on a guest who I've actually talked with before. I've been on her YouTube channel. I think it went up about a month ago. Her name is Julia Grubbs, and she has a very unique story that I'd like for her to share with you all. And then we're going to take from there, talking about her story, her growing up, and what she's doing now. We're going to discuss more topics relating to the pro-life movement, and then a little bit more of like a holistic, whole life ethic, different different things in regard to that. So Julia, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Like she said, my name is Julia Grubbs and I am actually a gentle parenting activist. So I knew that when I first moved from Indiana to Wisconsin, when I was 18, there was a lot of childhood trauma and I was just escaping a really, really toxic situation. And from there, I decided to make my YouTube channel and that was like probably around February-ish of 2021 and I really wanted to start this YouTube channel calling out the old school parenting that I had been raised with and I wanted to call out things that didn't make sense to me in terms of parenting because through my research and through things that I have you know, just through my research, I have really realized how much parenting actually makes a difference in a child's life for better or for worse. And I see that in society. I see people. And if there's one thing that I, you know, when I'm watching the problems of society, whether that be drug addiction, pornography addiction, I look at these people and I really see that there is a a childhood that um, Hmm. was really traumatizing. And I feel like we've just normalized it and become numb to it. Um, That that leads to these problems. And I feel like we personally, as Catholics, especially, and like Christians, uh, religious people in general, if you practice a religion, this really, really needs to be talked about in this space because I, I just feel like it's not talked about enough. And a lot of the parenting accounts that I follow are a little bit more secular. I don't follow a lot of Christian based accounts. Um, and I feel like it's just important for us to get our voices in this debate. So that is what I do. So I am a gentle parenting activist. I just simply do YouTube, uh, bringing awareness to this stuff. And then also my Instagram, I also post on there quite a bit. And uh, yeah, so I do activism in that way. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And I I really do think, Julia, that you're kind of opening a space um, that is not, you're, you're doing something unique because, I mean, this could just be me, but I don't see a lot of young people talking about gentle parenting. I right. see, I see, um, I see obviously, you know, like moms and like, like mom influencers, dad influencers talking about different kinds of parenting, but I don't see young people saying, Hey, like, this is how I was raised. Um, this is probably not the best way because this is how it affected me. And then this is what I'm going to do to promote change. And obviously, I mean, a parallel to the pro-life movement is I really think that the best, the best activists are young people, right? The best activists are people in our, I don't know, ages like 15 to like 30, because a lot of the time we have the most, the most physical energy, right? Just like 
we just have the most physical energy. We have yeah. the most ability to be mobile, right? To travel, to do whatever, because we don't necessarily have a family tying us down. And so I think when you have a cause and you are, and I see, I mean, I see on your Instagram, on your YouTube, um, I, I will confess, I, I had, I have a YouTube channel. Some people know that because people randomly start following me, but I'm not super active on it. I probably will be, but ever since I moved to Florida and like I moved to Florida, I moved one time and then I, I just moved again. And I'm so like, I don't know, my stuff has been kind of crazy. So I have not done my YouTube channel, but my point is, what was my point? Oh, my point is that I think that you like young people in whatever sphere it is can make the most difference in activism just because of what I was saying before. So can you just, before we go on, can you explain to me a little bit more, what exactly is gentle parenting? Um, yeah, so it's a lot to like unpack just, you know, in, mm-hmm. in a single setting, but I would say that gentle parenting, there are two ends of the parenting spectrum. One of them being permissive parenting, which a lot of people mistake for gentle parenting and that's okay. what turns a lot of people away from it. Um, permissive parenting is where like basically a child has no boundaries, is, has mm-hmm. no foundational principles. It's just kind of allowed to rule. Ru- I was about to say rule the roost. That's definitely a phrase. He's <laughs> like, okay. Uh, and then authoritarian parenting, which is what I call old school parenting is the complete opposite where like a parent doesn't allow a child to have any autonomy or any voice or any mm-hmm. um, sort of say in anything. Uh, it's just kind of like a parent believes that they should be able to impose arbitrary consequences on a child in order to um, you know, get that child to comply without any regard for that child's feelings, the, like that child's emotions or emotional regulation. Authoritative parenting, which is in the middle, Um, I think that a lot of people, like if I said authoritative parenting, maybe that like people would want to come listen rather than, you know, if I said just gentle parenting. So that's like right in the middle here where we still establish rules and boundaries and we still expect, we still have expectations of our children, but we're not going too far in one direction where we're letting them rule everything. And we're also not going too far in the other direction where we're giving them no autonomy uh, no say over their daily task. And um, I think that authoritative is just the best personally, because I mean, that's just, that's not just my opinion. That's like backed in so much research, but, you know, just allowing a child to experience consequences, natural consequences for themselves and not uh, be over-controlled or under controlled, if that makes sense. So yeah, I would say that's kind of like a balance, right, right yeah. in the middle. You should definitely read. I know that I sent it to you, Gentle Discipline. I have it. I have so many books recently. For some reason, everybody's like writing books lately because a lot of people who like write books will like send them to me to like, you know how people send books out to like different people right, to like right, over. Yeah. So I have this huge, enormous stacks of books that I need to read. And that is in the stack. So I will let you know when I read that, but, um, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And how, okay. So, and this can maybe, uh, transition into, I know you had a question for me, something that you wanted to talk about, but so how does gentle parenting kind of connect with the pro-life movement? Like, what do you think? Like, do you think that there is a connect? What do you think? 
Yeah, for sure. And I've said this a million times on my page and I get some heat for it, but you know what? I'm not going to let up. I have said before that like in order to be pro-life, you cannot put zero thought in the way you parent your children. Like of course. That's, that's not being pro-life at all because I- you have to care about the mental physical and emotional well-being of the children that you already have and to not do that is unchristlike. and I mean it's not you know it's not pro-life I think that you know you've gotten hate for saying that well I mean you know I've had people push back I think I think you know when so interesting you know maybe maybe it's just like you know just a little bit of pushback nothing like horrible but I can only imagine as my platform grows that I will get hate for it that's okay though. Um, but just to, I, I, and what rubs me the wrong way about this is that I just remember like going to pro-life marches growing up and people who, you know, I had friends growing up or my parents had friends who with kids our age and I would go over to their house and they would spank both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then these same parents were like, oh, well, I'm going to point my fingers at women who are walking into abortion clinics. And I'm like, um, excuse me, like you're contributing to a culture of death just as much as she is. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's what I get more hate for saying. Like mm-hmm. you're, you know, right. you're- that is definitely, that is definitely very controversial, but I do think you have, you definitely have a point. So I think that especially maybe like 10 years ago, um, and I think that it's getting so much better now. Mm-hmm. we in the pro-life movement you know it was all about abortion and the thing the, the whole thing is of course it's going to be mainly about abortion right because that is the greatest genocide going on in our country and it has been for 60 years right so of course the main focus should be abortion I don't think that's wrong but I think that in order to end abortion we're not going to just uh, all of a sudden like make all these laws and end abortion it's going to be, in order to end abortion, we are going to be promoting a culture of life, a full culture of life. Mm-hmm. And with that comes how you parent, how you treat yourself, how you treat others, you know, how you, it, so many different things in order that's, to that's end abortion. I also like think, you know, every single woman who has an abortion has a story behind that abortion. Well, exactly. Has a story behind like herself, not even like with her baby, but just herself. And I think about how many kids are growing up in single parent households and how many kids were raised with this authoritarian parenting that causes them not to trust their parents. And, you know, for a good reason, like, why would they trust their parents? And, you know, these parents that are pressuring Mm -hmm. kids into, or their children into abortions. And even if, you know, Uh, I personally, for myself, I couldn't see my parents pressuring me into an abortion, but I could see them definitely spewing a lot of judgmental comments that for me personally would not make me want to like say I was like a crisis pregnancy would not make me want to carry my baby to term and just to deal with like that shame and that guilt and the trauma that they are would perpetuate onto me would just be way too much emotionally for me to handle and that is why I'm so impassioned about getting my voice in this debate because there's a whole other dimension, which is generational trauma and healing yourself so that, uh, you know, you're, you're fit to be a parent and 
you're fit to be um, somebody that a child can come to about their problems. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, no, I definitely agree with you, and I definitely think that a lot of a lot of what you're saying is um, things that I and I don't know. You could tell me if I'm wrong, but I do think that it's getting better that we're acknowledging it more in the pro-life movement, you know, that we're acknowledging more that, Hey, parents. Okay. Like if you're something that should be kind of self-explanatory, but wasn't really, you know, if your child gets pregnant, like child, right? Like minor gets pregnant, comes to you, your first, like you cannot come at them in a spirit of anger, you know, first of all, because in a lot of States, parental well not in a lot of states but in some states such as illinois uh parental notification parents don't even have to be notified about the abortion that has been um that has been dismissed there's no longer parental notification there's there's no like laws or anything so it's really up to the parents to to make themselves into that safe space for the child to come to um but i think that it's get, i think that it's getting a little bit more talked about and i do think that it needs to be more talked about because i feel like you know some obviously especially if you're a christian parent like if you put yourself in that parent's shoes especially if you're a christian parent right a catholic parent there's going to be unfortunately there's going to be judgment from your parent friends and your peers and your church right and this is another thing that we need to work on is the fact that a pregnant single woman who walks into church shouldn't be getting all these stares, right? Shouldn't be getting all these like, oh, where's her husband, blah, 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 you know? All of this stuff I do think that we're doing better on, but I do think needs some work um, for sure, like a lot of work. So um, Julia, what, so you, we were saying before, uh, before we started this podcast, that there was something you wanted to talk about. Can you explain a little bit more like what you want to talk about in regards to this? Yeah, so there was a um, there was a podcast. Is that what you're referring to? The one yes, 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 yes. All right. So there's a podcast between Ellen Fisher, Lila Rose, Brenda, and Brenda Davies. And if you guys are not familiar with what this was about, this was basically a debate between Lila Rose and Brenda Davies. And the moderator was Ellen Fisher. And I love Ellen Fisher, by the way. You guys can. Uh, I always link her in the description of my videos on YouTube, but also Savannah, I ask that you link her to her YouTube channel. Yes, I will. For sure. Follow her on Instagram, but um, yes, she's amazing. Anyhow, anyhow, so we, um, we both watched it and I really wanted to talk about it because it was like, um, in a lot of ways I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a, I, I just cannot understand like how any logical person watching, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, like I even saw comments on there saying like, I'm pro-choice, but I still think Lila won. And it, this video, there like, were so many like messy moments in this debate. Oh, Savannah, I would just, love to hear your highlights and like what you thought was so in, like your like insanity moments that you were well, like. I mean, it just kind of blew up the internet because everything Lila literally like so they basically talked about every like little like controversial like maybe moment in the pro-life movement and like Lila really just brought it down to the fact that you know it's a human life like we cannot kill you know she brought it down to and she did a very good job of this because there's a lot of people there's a lot of people who can can get swayed by all these little 
these little like roads and like holes that they were all talking about, but she brought it back to the fact that this is, you know, if we know that this is a human life, then no case, no situation, nothing in no way can we kill an innocent human life. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. And I think, I think she did do a great job of that. And I will say that, uh, like I saw her, I saw Brenda. I've actually been following Brenda for quite a bit. Like I've, I've been watching her YouTube channel for a few years now. So I was like really, really excited when I heard this debate was coming out. Um, so, okay. But- so let's back up a little bit. Cause I am not following her. I don't know a whole ton about her. Can you explain a little bit about her? Cause I probably should have researched her a little bit more before, but I just, you know, I just, I watched it. I thought it was amazing. So man. Okay. So I will say that I first discovered her. Um, she makes a lot of videos on YouTube, like calling out Christianity and she still claims she's like a progressive, like Christian. Um, first off, I want to say she's a very, very sweet and well-intentioned person. And I can definitely see that in her her videos. I absolutely 100% acknowledge that she, um, is very, she's very graceful. And, but my problem here is that she's so caught up in like her own version of reality that she fails to like acknowledge that there's objective truth. So my problem during the debate, like there were a couple problems. One of them I want to address now and one of them I'll address in a minute. Um, She said, what did she say? Oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought here. (laughs) Oh no. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. She, I heard her throughout the debate give so much empathy and compassion to the mother and to the person who, the person who's pregnant, which the fact that she said pregnant. Right. Right. That was kind of ridiculous, but yeah. Come on. Anyhow, she gave so much compassion and so much empathy to the woman that's going through it. But when it came, I never once heard her give empathy to that child that Lila described to her being brutally murdered. Like, where's her empathy for that child? Mm-hmm. Where's her mm-hmm. compassion for that child? Mm-hmm. And she seemed to really skirt that. Like, um, you know, that was something that I just found so astounding is like, she could give all this empathy and all this compassion to the mother, which is important. That's not, mm-hmm. not to say that it's not important, but I never once saw her give empathy to that child that was torn apart violently in the abortion procedure. The second thing is that I feel like she's basing her, which I would have taken a different approach than, well, I wouldn't say completely different, but I would have definitely bought up the fact that Brenda also bases her views on abortion around her very flawed view of sex. She's definitely a very sexually free type of interesting yeah and and definitely she's like no you're you're right she's right publicly told the internet her body counts and i was like oh my gosh but also her view of sex is i can sleep with whoever i want whenever i want however i want and sex doesn't have an objective purpose it doesn't have an objective um you know it's not something that's procreative and for the bonding of spouses. She views it as like, oh, well, you know, if I want to have sex and if I want to sterilize it, then that should be my right. And the government should provide me that, you know, provide me birth control. Um, 
And also I know that she has interviewed on her channel and I've listened to a couple, like a little bit of these interviews, people who work in the sex industry. And I'm like, okay, this drives me absolutely nuts because I'm like, Brenda, look, if you're gonna view sex in a way, like if you're going to take sex outside of its intended purpose and use it in this way and use it in a way where it's only for pleasure and you're not committed to the person, you cannot be surprised when these things, when there's disastrous results. And I remember actually having a private conversation and DMs with her. And I told her, here's the thing, like you, if you want to end abortion, which it sounds like to me, like you do, if you want right. abortion uh, rates to decrease, then what you should be advocating for is abstinence, because that's the only 100% scientific way to prevent pregnancy. And I told her like, that's what I'm choosing because I cannot have a child right now. And she said, well, I commend you for your sexual decisions, but a world where abstinence or a world where sex can't be had for pleasure, uh, pleasure only is not a world for everybody. Not everybody agrees with that. And I said, it's just, you can't, you can't have it both ways to acknowledge. Like I can't say a world where gravity doesn't exist isn't a world for everybody. It doesn't matter if people like the fact that gravity exists, it's still going to exist. Just like, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't like abstinence only. That's the only 100% way not to get pregnant. So that was like my whole critique. And like, that's what I would bring up to her, which I know she would, you know, I know that wouldn't really get anywhere, but. And that's a, no, I'm glad that you brought that up because this has been something that is being, I've had several meetings actually in the past few days with my different jobs discussing this, discussing the fact that like there's kind of an elephant in the room here, right? We want to end abortion, um, but we cannot do that if we say it's okay to go around having sex because the natural consequence of having sex and consequence, not in a bad way, consequence is just something that comes of your actions. The natural, right. consequence natural consequence of having, yeah. of having sex is getting pregnant. And I brought up this, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with EV Magazine, do you know Evie Magazine? I, I love them. They're not, they're not like, they're, they're secular, I believe they're secular, but they have a lot of Christian views and they're very like, very much like holistic, healthy womanhood. Like they are anti-abortion. They are super pro-life. But I brought up this article that um, I'll link in the show notes too, that was published the day Roe v. Wade was overturned. It was extremely controversial because people were not talking about this when Roe v. Wade was overturned. It says the overturning of Roe v. Wade will improve women's sex lives and the quality of men they date in the long run. And basically the purpose of this article is to say that um, Roe v. Wade has been overturned, right? And this will obviously change the abortion landscape in America for the better. It already has. But it's talking about how on-demand abortion perpetrates hookup culture and stupid sex, right? On-demand abortion um, makes it so much easier for you to go around having sex with whoever you want, right? And, you know, you can get diseases, you can get, you, your mental health will drop. Um, restricting access to abortion will encourage women to date more conscientiously, right? It's just, these are facts, these, these, these things make sense whether you're a Christian or not, um, in no studies does it say that having sex with a ton of people makes you healthier, right? Just as a woman. And nowhere does it say that women do better when they have random 
you know, one night stands because women don't work like that. If you look at any studies, any statistics, women bond with the men they have sex with. Women are supposed to be with one person for their whole life, right? Mm-hmm. And it works well that way. Because men are too, so. Exactly. When you're with one person, right? And when you, and then you get married and then you can have kids. It's just the natural order of things. And I think that when you take one piece, whatever piece it is, right? Whether it's uh, hookup culture or not getting married or, or abortion, whatever piece it is, when you take one piece out, it doesn't work. So I, I do think that it's hard when we see, when we hear people saying, well, like I'm anti-abortion, but women should be able to go around and have sex all the time. Or even, even men saying, oh, I'm super pro-life, but um, I should be able to have sex with whoever I want, right? Because I mean, the whole, the whole, whole other side of this, which just is a whole different discussion is that, and Live Action made a really good satirical video of this, um, about a year ago, is that abortion, they said abortion is a men's right. Because I mean, it it was obviously not saying abortion should be a man's right, but abortion helps men, because men don't have to pay child support, right? Men don't have to care for the woman. There's just a lot of things that go into and I think that's what we're getting at. There's a lot of things that go into this whole abortion debate that go far beyond the actual act of having an abortion. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I mean, I, I will just honestly admit that it's, this will be a controversial thing for me to say, but I have a hard time feeling bad for somebody who deliberately did something that they knew was wrong and then a disastrous thing resulted. Um, you know, every pregnancy is obviously beautiful and it's a gift from God and should be embraced. But at the same time, I... I don't know. I, I also feel like, you know, you can't, if you don't have full knowledge of something like a lot of people do well, not have the, the upbringing that I did. So like, you know, not every single woman has full knowledge that sex before marriage is wrong, but I still think that a lot of people like do like, I was listening to a podcast the other day um, on Ellen Fisher's podcast. And we, I, one of the ladies was talking about how we so often, like a lot of times you probably hear in our culture today, the term victim blaming, right? Yeah. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. So, but she said that that's a way that people, that's a term that people use to skirt responsibility for their actions. They would much rather say, oh, I'm being blamed and I'm a victim rather than saying like, oh, what could I be doing? It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. To not like have this result. What could I like the people like to say, like, it's everybody else who are like, you know, victimizing me, but I'm not doing anything wrong. And for me, like as a woman, a strong woman, in my opinion says like my actions, I'm going to take a good look at my life and my actions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to decide that I'm going to take personal responsibility for the things that I'm doing wrong in my life. And I feel like we as women especially need to do that. Like we need to say, I'm not hooking up with men anymore. I am not having sex outside of marriage anymore. I am not going to risk a pregnancy before I'm married. And I need to change my lifestyle so that I'm not putting a future. And this is why I I am very impassioned about this too, because when you get pregnant with a child and, and it's outside of marriage, and that child's going to grow up in, in poverty in an unstable home, that is not fair to that child. Like a 
five second orgasm is not worth putting that child through years of trauma. And I, I know this for a fact because my parents have a very similar line of story to that, have how mm-hmm. they got married and everything. And that, no amount of pleasure that one can have is worth that. So yeah, that, that's definitely a big part of my work as well as just like promoting families and marriages because I think yeah. society so desperately needs that right now. And, you know, and it's, it's very timely too, because I really truly believe, you know, when I, when, when we first were talking about whether or not Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned, we were like, okay, so when Roe v. Wade is overturned, like, what do we do? Like, what exactly is our messaging? Like, what do we advocate for? And at first it was a lot of, and this is still totally true, right? We need to get funding for pregnancy resource centers. We need to get better crisis pregnancy centers. This is so true because there are so many women in need right now. But I think um, even more just recently, just in maybe like the past month, we've realized, hey, our messaging also as controversial as this is and as hard as it has been for the pro-life movement to message this, mm-hmm. we need to have a message of abstinence. We have a, need to have a message of waiting till, mar- waiting till we get married to have babies, right? Because otherwise we're going to continually have this cycle of broken homes, broken families, and women in need. Mm-hmm. So- Um, this is something that is definitely not, I mean, we've said this so many times, this is something that's very controversial, but it's interesting because, um, so one of the, one of the companies I work for culture of life fashion, we've always advocated for this ever since I started working before I started working, this has been one of our, one of our pillars, you know, we message the fact that abortion is wrong. We talk about chastity. We talk about modesty. We talk about, uh, healthy dating, everything that goes into it. And I think that this needs to be not such a taboo topic for the pro-life movement. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I definitely, again, like, because I, I hold these parenting beliefs and I believe in the sanctity of a family and of a children seeing a loving, a loving marriage between a mother and a father and seeing that polarity. Um, I, I think that it's so vital and so healthy for, for children and I'm actually like, I'm a fan of the nuclear family for that reason. Like, I don't want it to be being a gentle parenting activist. I don't think that fathers need to be in the house to like give their kids a kick in the ass when they're doing something wrong. I think personally that fathers need to be in the house to love their mother. And of course, like a, a man has like a natural masculine Um, strong presence to him but it's not like a domineering one it's like a Mm -hmm. strong leadership type and I think that's exactly see for children to see that in a man because that's like a very that's an influence that the mom obviously can't bring Um, and there's Mm -hmm. also influences that the mom can't bring that the dad or that the um or the mom can bring that the dad can't bring and I would know that because I grew up and actually with a single dad so like you know, having both of those parties there and also seeing a loving marriage between the two, like that's ultimately what I strive for. Yeah, no, that's, that's priceless. And one thing I'll say before we end, because we just, we have about three minutes left, but I mean, I mean, I just totally agree with you. And I, I will say that I'm very blessed to have grown up in a very healthy family. And I just see that not only with, not only myself, like how now I'm going on to become an adult, but my brothers and just everyone around us, like 
my parents, my parents met in high school. They had us, um, they, they loved each other, obviously. Right. They show us pictures of, uh, when they were younger and like, like, this is how we want, this is what we always, as children, we always wanted a relationship, a marriage, like our parents, right? Because they showed us that they, that they loved each other. And in turn, they loved us and they wanted us, you know what I mean? And so I think it's just, I mean, that that's just something that obviously I know, and I've always known that not everyone experiences that, you know, I always, I feel like even from like the time when I was in like kindergarten, you know, I remember having friends with families who the friends would come over to our house and then we'd go over to their house and I'd be like something's wrong here <laughs> like you know what uh, I mean like, no I totally a different atmosphere oh than at my house how many, and how many siblings do you have and what age I have five are? younger brother brothers and what did you say oh my gosh five <laughs> younger brothers and you're the oldest girl <laughs> yes yes but it it's just you know and like every year on their anniversary they'd show us their wedding video and there's just there's something that and, but it's interesting too, because I mean, this is a whole different conversation, but I feel like personally, I had such a great upbringing and my parents had such a healthy relationship that I have a hard time finding a guy to date because I'm not going to settle. And because the guys that I have tried dating have not met my standards. So yeah. I don't know, you know, that's, that's a different, that's, that's a that different struggle. Yeah, never, ever settle. I was just talking to a girl about that the other day on Instagram. So I was like, yeah, if he wants you, he will come after exactly. you. Exactly. Well, it's something that I that I talk about a lot on a lot, a lot yeah, on all the platforms. Yeah. Emily Every- Wilson is really good too. Yes, yes, yes. Like, she's wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, well, it was so great talking to you. Before we end, um, and I, honestly, we could go on talking forever, and I'm sure that I'll have you on again on my podcast yeah. again. Um but before we end, can you tell people where they can find you, what platforms you're on? Absolutely. Yes. So my YouTube channel is called Pursuing Gentle Parenting and you can look that up on YouTube. And then I, my Instagram is Julia. And then I think it's like two underscores or three underscores maybe. And then it's just my middle name. Yeah. And um, I'm sure she can like link it or put it in the description. I will. I will put this out in the show notes as well. Um, But yeah, thank you so much, Julia, for coming on and talking about this and honestly having your own platform to talk about this this difficult and like complex subject. Um, I think it's something that we all need to discuss more and I'm so excited. I'm sure I'll have you on again, but I'm excited to see what you do in the meantime. Yes, 40 minutes just isn't enough. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining. And to everybody else, to everybody else, have a wonderful week and I will see you next Monday. See you guys, bye. Yay, that was really good. That was really good. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, that's wonderful. I will release it uh, on Monday, actually. I thought I was going to have more in queue, but I I don't. I finished them up. So (laughs) I will release it on Monday. I'll link you and everything and send you. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you like, I'm curious, do you live in like an an apartment by yourself? Uh, No, I live with friends. Oh, okay. Okay. Two girls. You have two? Two girls. Yeah. We have a three bedroom apartment. It's if, and I've been saying this to so many people lately, so watch I'm just gonna have like my house is gonna be full like every day but if you ever want to come down for a vacation in Florida especially now that it's getting to be like winter time my I'm my house is always open um I'm I live like 15 minutes from the airport so like it's super easy yeah just, like, I was gonna ask I kind of like I would get like to go to Florida but 100 yeah. percent we live yeah. so I live in Clearwater 
oh, there's less than a minute left of this, but we can talk more on Instagram, but I live in Clearwater, like really close to the beach. And um, how far is Clearwater from Orlando? Like two hours. Okay. Is Clearwater near Melbourne? It's right close to Tampa. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. My, my parents, yeah, my grandparents have a condo in Melbourne, but. Oh, cool, cool, cool. I'm yeah, not so. really sure where that is, but I've heard of that. But okay. yeah, cool. let me know. We'll talk more on Instagram because this is going to end. But okay. um, yeah, for sure. Bye. Thank you so much for having me on. I'll see you no later. No problem. See you later. Bye.